Hey everyone, I'm Erica Bazell, and in the over 10 years I've been in the health and wellness industry, I have become so passionate about all things wellness. I have a crazy love for learning and have devoted my career to sharing everything that I learned so that you can live your healthiest, most energized, highest vibe life. Each week I will share with you my thoughts on wellness, everything from fitness, nutrition, mental health, relationships, and more. Welcome to my confessions in whole body health. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I am here with Alexis Fisk. She is a CPA and an entrepreneur, and we're going to chat a little bit about financial wellness. Um, so I've mentioned before about how important it is to have all of these different areas of wellness that affect our overall well-being, our health, and everything else. And financial wellness is a totally huge part of it. Um, so I'll have Alexis tell us a little bit about herself first. Hi. Okay. Thank you, Erica, for having me on. I'm so excited. Like Erica said, I'm Alexis Fisk. I am a certified public accountant and an entrepreneur and a mom, and I just have all the hats on. Um, I have been interested in money and finance my entire life. Um, had a job ever since it was legal to have a job. And I obviously went into the accounting world and I met my husband in accounting. And so we're just like one big financial family over here. I love it. I love it. Um, what, uh, what kind of got you into being a CPA? Oh my goodness. Well, do you ever know, like, have you ever tried to figure out what in life you're just naturally good at? Totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I had gone through, I had like gone through life and I wasn't ever really super athletic. Okay. And I wasn't ever really super good at anything. Um, just kind of in the middle average. Um, and then when I went to college, I ended up just taking a finance and accounting course. Um, and I got an A plus in it with very little effort. And it something clicked in me. And I was like, I really enjoyed this. Like, and I was good at it naturally. Let me look into this as a career path. And honestly, I never really looked back because it has afforded me um, the opportunity to work in business, which I think is where my passion is. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I decided to get into this field. Awesome. I love that. I love that. So I feel like so often we hear um, when it comes to personal finances that there's this kind of all debt is bad and it's like you're either doing well because you have no debt or like, oh my gosh, you have debt, like you're done for. Um, and it's like always this like all or nothing approach. But I've always found that like that never really worked for me because like I never wanted to cut out everything from my life just to, you know, get back out of debt. Like sure, I have student loans from college and, you know, things like that. But as much as like, you're not trying to pay it off, I didn't want that whole like, ramen for three meals a day lifestyle. Um, so is there like a better way to go about it? Or is there some sort of healthy balance? Yeah, I definitely think there is. So let me give people just a little bit of a background. Um, my 
my skill set is in um, finance and accounting. I'm not a certified financial planner, but my passion is in personal financial planning. So I sort of went to the school of hard knocks when it comes to personal financial planning. Um, you know, being a millennial myself, I was in a lot of student debt. I exited college with some credit card debt. And just through my profession and learning, I have come a long way. So I, I want to preface that. Um, but as far as debt goes, I think that you can't, you can't say all debt is bad or all debt is good. You really have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. And debt is a tool, and debt is a tool in the toolkit that it can be great when it's appropriate, right? So if you think about a toolkit, you don't want to use a wrench if you need a screwdriver. But when it comes to those big purchases that affect our everyday lives, like a mortgage, um, a reasonable car payment, really even other purchases that can affect our overall happiness and wellness, um, like even furniture that you can get at an extremely low interest rate. I believe that that is the time where you use debt as a tool to better your life. Yes, that makes that makes so much sense where it's like, you know, in especially right now in this housing market, that's like so crazy. Sellers market, like rates are super low, but people are going in and buying houses and like, oh, I have like $300,000 cash. And I'm like, um, that's not my life. <laughs> I don't even know how you got to that place. Congratulations. Um, but it's like, there has to be like some sort of something that it has to be okay for us to get a mortgage. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, you know, First of all, right now is the time to, if you're able to buy, because interest rates are so low. Um, my husband and I recently just made the decision to refinance our mortgage because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's been so many um, debt relief and also interest rates ha have been kept so low that now is the time to refinance that debt. So we refinanced our house and got a really favorable interest rate and saved $230 a month. Like that's huge. Like that's a utility bill. Um, but going back to, you know, when my husband and I bought our first house, everybody will say, you need to put 20% down. You need to put 20% down so that you don't pay what's called PMI, mm -hmm. private mortgage insurance. But my husband and I, both being CPAs and financially savvy, we decided not to put 20% down on our first house. We decided to put a certain amount down and then we kept the rest in liquid cash because we wanted to furnish the house. So there's certain decisions like that that I believe are still healthy for your overall financial picture. Um, if you're buying, you know, if you're buying the right asset and if you're buying in the right, you know, market and neighborhood and everything like that. But that's a that's an example of when we were like, hey, we're going to pay PMI so that we can have some liquid cash to furnish this house. Oh, that makes me feel so much better as we're going through that process right now. And we're like, OK, oh, OK, like, is this bad? Like, we're going to have to pay PMI, but we're going to have this money left over that. Yeah, we can buy a new couch that 
we actually think is comfortable <laughs> and you know things like that and it's like okay so good yeah. good we're on the right track awesome yeah no I was gonna say you have to balance what you feel um is best for your life right like you don't want to be sitting on camping <laughs> chairs just so you don't pay a tiny percentage of private mortgage insurance I mean my god like you there is a good balance but um no go ahead with what you were gonna ask um so say with refinancing your house what are your thoughts about um I feel like there's always a lot of talk about refinancing student loans and stuff too yes I am a huge proponent of refinancing um so right now like I said interest rates are super low I should probably know what prime is but like let's just say that prime is around three percent right now that means you have a really good credit score and you know the lender thinks that you're going to be able to pay it back um Gosh, it's probably even lower than 3%. But anyway, you have to you have to think about what prime is now versus when you borrowed. So I'm a millennial. That means I was borrowing in the height of the financial crisis, which was 2008. It was not easy. And I had to borrow a lot from private lenders rather than the government. So the government is always going to give you better interest rates than a private lender. So when you're looking at refinancing, you always wanna look at those high interest rate loans and you want to shop those around. So I actually ended up paying off all my student loans that were over 5%, I think. We were like, we're not messing with these. These need to go Mm -hmm. because this interest rate is so high. Um, and then anything that we couldn't pay off because it was too large, we went ahead and refinanced and we were able to do that. I think at 3% because I've been out of college. I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but for 10 years, it makes me feel old. But after 10 years, you establish an income level and 10 more years of a credit history to where now you can shop that to other lenders and they look at they look at you and they think, okay, she has got a good credit history. We will give her a better interest rate because they want they want that cash, right? So I think that student loan refinancing, mortgage refinancing, anything over four or five percent that you're carrying right now is really smart to just look into refinancing. Oh, that's awesome. That's great advice. That's great advice. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who maybe like kind of how you said, and I was in the same boat, like when we got out of college, yeah, we had all of these student loans. We had some credit card debt. And what are some like tips that you have to start to move in the right path without having to completely overhaul, stop doing everything and eat ramen 24 (laughs) seven. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I first got out of college that year, I made myself the first New Year's resolution I ever kept. And the resolution wasn't more like I'm going to do this. It was more, I will no longer feel 
anxiety about money. I'm going to do everything I can to eliminate that anxiety from my life. And what I tell everyone is it has to start with a time-consuming activity of busting out a spreadsheet or even a piece of paper and writing down every single thing that you bring in income, every single piece of income versus all of your expenses for a whole month. You sit down and you do the math of what came in and what went out of all of your bank accounts, all of your credit cards, and you get a really good idea of what you're working with right now. So, you know, I tell people do not, you know, go start a weight loss journey and not get on the scale and see where you're starting. You have to know what you're starting with in order to move forward. And it's not easy, but it's important because then once you know that knowledge is power and then you can begin to make certain decisions in your life to have a more holistic financial picture and a better idea of where you want to go. So when I did that exercise, the first thing obviously I noticed was that my credit card was out of control. So what I did was I certainly did not eat ramen for every meal. I still went out. I was 23 years old at the time. Like I, you know, I, I had to go out drinking and stuff. I had stuff to do, but I, you know, I didn't spend money on frivolous, like clothes, shoes. And I took every spare dime I had and threw it at that high interest rate credit card and got that paid off. So I think it's, I think it just starts with documenting what I, first of all, I love that resolution of just, I'm going to get rid of the anxiety around finances. Like, I feel like that's a huge thing that can hold so many people back is they're just so overwhelmed. Where do I start? You know, again, similar to the analogy you just made with weight loss, like I'm so overwhelmed. Where do I even start? Like if we have to let go of that anxiety holding us back, okay, where are we now? That's the first step. Yeah, it's the first step. And it's, it's, it can feel scary, but actually knowing and seeing those numbers, it's so powerful because there are so many more things that you can control than you think. So a lot of times people be like, well, I can't control how much money you make. But actually, in a way you can, right? If you're an hourly person, maybe you pick up some extra shifts or a shift worker. If you are um, a salaried person, maybe take the time to think, should I ask for a raise? Look up in the market. Am I being paid um, what's fair right now? There's tons of free tools online um, to tell you what your median salary is for your profession. Or if you really don't you feel stuck. I mean, there's side hustles that you can pick up and you can bring in more inflow. And then expenses, obviously, those are the big things that you can control because so many of those are choices that you make every day. Um, from, you know, you're, you're going to have things that are super fixed, like a mortgage and, and, um, Side note, I always encourage everybody to pay their utility bills on the budget bill if possible. 
because why why have a bill in December that's like four hundred dollars versus June that's like thirty? Go ahead and get on the budget plan and just even out that outflow for yourself. But there's certain things you can't control, but you'd be surprised when you write down where you can immediately start making adjustments just by knowing where your stuff is going. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm the kind of person who like sometime in the fall sits down and like I do it for like the whole year, like month by month, every single thing that comes out, every single thing coming in, you know, because some months it's this big expense or, oh, we're going on a trip then or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, So that way, like, I can see the whole year, like, coming up ahead, like, oh, in June, we have a couple big expenses. So, like, somewhere before June, we have to either cut something out or come up with something extra. Okay. And, like, I can always, like, see that. And that's, like, I've always been, like, a numbers person like you that it just, like, comes comes naturally uh, to me. So I'm, like, okay, okay. But then that's. For some people, that's not the case. (laughs) Yeah, you have to, if you're going to have a, you know, a healthy relationship with finances, you have to become a little bit of a planner. So I love that you said that because that is such a big deal, especially around um, vacations, like you mentioned, trips and holidays, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, those holidays where everybody is buying gifts, that can be one of the biggest sources of credit card debt. And that is not necessary. Um, A, if you plan ahead and B, if you really set good expectations with your, your friends and your family of, you know, what those events are all about. Um, just a little bit of planning can really take away a lot of the stress with spending around holidays and vacations. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for people on how to kind of go about that planning, how to start setting aside while also, you know, continuing to pay things off? Yeah. So one of my biggest things that I tell people is try to hit your highest interest rate debt first, obviously. But if there are other things that you know that you're going to spend regardless, like you know you're going to buy your family holiday gifts, or you know that you want to spend an anniversary dinner with your spouse because that's important, then you set up what I call a squirrel fund because squirrels, you know, hide their food for the winter. Um, And it's just a fund that is specifically for that purpose. So growing up, my mom, um, she would do this with Christmas and our local bank actually had like a special deal where they like contributed. I don't, I doubt they still do this anymore, but they contributed a little bit to it. If you transferred money there every month and then it unlocked in at the beginning of December, end of November. And then she didn't feel stressed about buying three kids Christmas every year, um, And I think that that's a good way to be really intentional about setting. Sometimes when we take something and we put it in a different spot and we label it, sometimes that's the best way to really discipline ourselves to only touch it for that purpose. Yeah, I love that. I love that. 
And I feel like, um, cause I've heard different examples of things like that before. Do you feel like that's something that has to very much be done with like actual like cash? Like you hear people have like their cash envelopes for, you know, whatever, or like, can it be something more, more virtual if you will? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard the cash envelopes. No, I am all about like convenience and having things separated. This can look like, guess what? This can look like your Venmo. I mean, if you have that discipline, you know what I mean? This could look like a Venmo. This could look like a specific savings account. Um, My husband and I have two different savings accounts and one, I don't even know what we're doing with. We're just putting stuff in there. But the other one is for emergencies, like if our water heater broke or we had a major home repair and we literally don't even think about that account. We don't even think about it as anything because again, that removes the anxiety that I don't wake up. I don't stay up at night wondering if something broke in our home, if we were going to be able to heat it or take care of our kids. It's just, it's in that fund and that's what it's for. And Hey, maybe that'll never happen. Right. But then good. If it never happens, then (laughs) I don't know. It's going to be there when I'm not here anymore. So I think you can definitely do it virtually. It's just all about what you tell yourself. Right. And, and being disciplined about it. Um, I also just don't think you should have a bunch of cash laying around your house, you know? (laughs) No, totally. I'm like, how are you supposed to have like thousands and thousands of dollars and like all, you know, because like your emergency car fund and your emergency house fund, like they want you to like divide it all up into all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like all of this cash, like if anything were to ever happen to your house, like God forbid or whatever, like, ah. It's just like not safe. It's like crap my grandma used to do. I'd be like, grandma, why do you have like a G in your purse? Like, why are you walking around with a thousand dollars? Like, you're never going to find yourself somewhere. She doesn't do that anyway. Side note anymore. Don't anybody go after my grandma. But um, yeah, I just think. And another thing too, I know that everybody is in different financial circumstances, right? But when your um, money is physically in your hand in your home, it's actually not really working for you either, right? There's very low risk investments. If you have a chunk of cash that you absolutely can stick that in a money market account at least and get a couple percentage return or if you know that you're not going to touch it stick it in like a super low interest rate cd at minimum if you've got a chunk of change you know put that somewhere where it's going to earn a little bit of return um don't stick it in an envelope because it's not going to make you a dime in the envelope but i also encourage people to it's a very very good idea to sit down if you're a salaried employee with benefits and really take a good look at what your company offers in terms of financial tools. So for example, if your company offers you a 401k or retirement match, make sure that you are matching the absolute most that you can to get them to match you. So don't leave that free money on the table. So for example, if your employer matches dollar for dollar up to 6% of your salary, you need to be contributing 6% of your salary as much as you can because that is 
free money, right? And that will grow in an investment fund. Another one that people get a little bit nervous about, but it is a really great tool is a HSA, a health savings account. If your employer offers you a health savings account, especially um, just at all, because right, we're always going to use our health savings account. That's our money. We never lose it. It's not like a flex account absolutely funnel money in there because then you can invest that and it will grow. Oh, that is such good advice. Such good advice. Definitely don't want to leave anything on the table. That's for sure. Do you have any other tips or advice that you can think of in the personal finance realm? Yeah, I feel like I'm talking so much, but I do get excited about this. And I do want to say I've learned so much from being married to my husband, John, and both of us have um, been able to help each other get ideas and, and turn into, you know, just kind of a little powerhouse over here. But, you know, when you're looking at your employer benefits, another thing for people who have daycare expenses, um, so daycare can be one of the highest monthly outflows in an average American family. It is astronomical, the cost of childcare for early childhood. And if you're looking at your benefits and they offer a flex dependent care plan, basically what that does is it takes money and it shelters it from taxes from the government. And then you just say, hey, look, I paid Sunshine Daycare 500 bucks this month. And then they just give it right back to you. But what happens is it saves you from losing 25% of that $500 to give to the government. So there's, there's all these tiny little tax planning tools that stress us all out, right? Because it's paperwork, it's it's Googling, it's, um, it's words we don't understand. But so often when we bury our heads and we're afraid of these tax planning tools or these big terms, we leave money on the table that could really help us in our lives. Um, and so I think that it's always a great idea to just go to your HR benefits department and sit down and say, hey, what am I not doing that could be helping my family? And, you know, talk to them about that. Um, but I honestly think my biggest piece of advice is to hit your highest interest rate debt with a very critical eye and either attempt to refinance it in today's time or make sure that you're throwing as much cash as, as possible at that high interest rate debt. And then you can kind of get creative with changing your overall financial picture. That is such great advice. Thank you so much. So if my listeners wanted to connect with you on social media or anything, where could they do that? Yes. So I'm on Instagram. It's just my name, um, Alexis Fisk. There's a lot of sounds. <laughs> um, and I also have a free Facebook community. It's called Time for a Cup with Alexis. And the community is for... Busy women who do not 
spend enough time on themselves. So we talk um, similar to to what you do for others, Erica. We talk a lot about self-care and overall wellness. So I give financial tips on Fridays in that group, um, but I also offer um, tips anywhere from self-help to workout to um, beauty regimen. So I would love to grow the Time for a Cup community with um, busy women. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure that I include both of those um, in the show notes so people can find you easily. Otherwise, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I feel like you gave so much awesome information and advice that people should definitely be able to use and hopefully get themselves on what they might feel is a better track in their financial wellness. You are so welcome. I had fun. And um, yeah, I would just encourage people to not be afraid and especially women, like take control of your own finances. You know, you can do this one step at a time and um, do your research and, and take control of it because knowledge is power when it comes to this stuff. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. 